I'd like to welcome you all to Freedom Church and if you're here for the first time, you are most welcome. I am going to be talking to us today about persistent prayer. If I can find my sermon. <laughs> prayer is a very important part of our lives and should be treated as such. Adam was not created to pray, but he was created to have fellowship with God. He was created to commune with God at any time. And things went pear-shaped when uh, Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Um, in Genesis chapter 3, we see uh, after they have uh, eaten of the fruit, and uh, God comes looking for them. Then the man and the wife and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Where are you? <laughs> Where are you? He asked. I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So this was the beginning of all the problems that started. Uh, men hid from the fellowship of God. And what that meant was uh, after the Lord had uh, passed judgment over the sin they had committed, it meant whenever they wanted to communicate with God, they needed to pray. They needed to seek the Lord. So we need to go back into where God had created us to be originally. God always came down and walked in the garden uh, with Adam, and they would uh, have conversation about whatever it was they were conversing about. But when man sinned, he got separated from God. And because of that, the Bible tells us that in Romans, in Romans 3.22, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the good news is, the next verse tells us, that we are all justified freely by his grace and the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So Jesus came down and he became sin in our place. Instead of us to being judged for the sin that we had committed, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in, in his forbearance, he had left sins committed beforehand unpunished. And he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at, pres at the present time, so as, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So when we look to Jesus, we find that justification, we find 
that peace, that life that is gained through accepting Christ as your Lord. Jesus became human, leaving everything behind. He was king, seated in, in heaven, but he left everything and chose to come down to be a price for our sin. He came down so that he could redeem us from our sin. Philippians 2, 6 tells us, He who in very nature God did not consider equality with God, equality with God something to be used in his own advantage, rather made himself nothing by taking his very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. So we can imagine how painful, how, how embarrassing the death was on the cross. He was treated like a sinner, yet he knew no sin. He never committed sin in his life, but he chose, he left everything and came down to, to take our place. Jesus as God, he had the power to be omnipresent and omniscient, but as a man, he could only be present at one place at any point. Every time Jesus performed a miracle, he would look up to heaven and pray to the Father. Every time he did anything, he looked up and prayed to the Father. And the Father always heard him and he responded every time. There is not a time when Jesus uh, said to, uh, to someone that was sick, your faith has made, has made you whole and that person was never healed. Every time he prayed and when he said your faith has made you whole, that person really became, became whole. And he said, the key thing that he said, he said, go and sin no more. So what we need to be aware of is when we come to Christ and he says your sins are forgiven, that we need not go back to the old, old parts that we used to live, but rather live a life that is pleasing to God. Every time uh, after Jesus had done the ministry, he would take time and withdraw. We are told he would, he would withdraw to the mountain to go and pray. This shows us how important prayer is. Even Jesus, being the Son of God, being God himself, went up to the mountain to pray. How much more is it important for us as humans? So we need to be sure that we, everything that we do, we put it in prayer to God. And God is always listening to us. He's always willing to give us good gifts. The only thing that the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them was to teach them how to pray. In Matthew 6, Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. And this is what we call today the Lord's Prayer. It was a, a, a model that Jesus gave to his disciples to say, when you pray, this is how you should pray. And in our prayer life, if we take that model, that prayer, that Lord's Prayer, and use it as a model for prayer, and let everything be based on that prayer, it will see our prayer life grow. He continued to teach about the importance of life that we should pray at some times. He said men ought always to pray. And to demonstrate that, he gave a parable 
of the persistent widow in Luke 18, verse 1 to 8. Then Jesus told the disciples a parable to show them that men should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who, feared, who neither feared God nor cared what men thought. And there was a widow in the town that kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God nor care about what people think, yet because of this, this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice, that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for those he chooses, for his chosen ones, who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that you get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? When we come to the Lord, do we come to him with a pure heart? Do we come to him with persistent prayers? Do we come to him with prayers with the right motives? What is it that motivates your prayers? Keith spoke about it this morning, that when we, we, when we ask, we do not receive because we ask with the wrong motives. So what are our motives? What are we looking for? What is it that we are hoping to achieve by praying? Is it because of our self-ambition or is this for the glory of God? We know for sure that if we ask with the right motives, then our good Father in heaven will give us good gifts. This is not what I say, but this is what the Bible tells us. When you go to Matthew 7, 7, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? How much more will God do for us if we truly ask him with the right motives? knowing what it is that we, want, we are asking for and we are asking it for his glory that his name may be glorified. Let's therefore pray to God with the right motives and remember that every good gift comes from above and when we receive those gifts it is not for our satisfaction but it is for the glory of God. It is never about us. It is all about the glory of God. This is not only in the New Testament. We see it also in the Old Testament. When Hannah prayed to God and God answered her, she then dedicated her gift back to God to serve in the house of the Lord. 1 Samuel 1 verse 10 says, In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. 
and made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if only you look at your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I'll give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will be used on his head. So when Hannah prayed, she prayed earnestly, and her motive was that when she got a son, although her adversary Penina was laughing at her year after year, she never took that to heart. She only prayed to God that God will give her a son. And when God blessed her, she didn't keep the son for herself, but she dedicated her, him back to the house of the Lord. And we know that Samuel stayed in the house of the Lord for all his days. He served in the house of the Lord and he became one of the great prophets that God used. So it was for the glory of God that Hannah prayed and her prayer was answered. We are not told anything else about Hannah after uh, Samuel has been dedicated to the Lord. All we hear about is the glory of God that came through Samuel. So when we look at ourselves and when we pray, let us look at whatever we pray for, that it is something that glorifies God, that gives God the glory that he deserves. And to be able to fulfill the glory of God, you need to know what your purpose is in life. Some of you might know what their, what their calling is or what their purpose is in life. Others, on the other hand, may not know. And if you do not know what your purpose is, how then are you going to fulfill it? Living a life without knowing your purpose is like someone who goes into a race and that person does not know where the race starts or where the race finishes. For all we know, that person might be running in the opposite direction from the finish line. So, when you get into the race, you need to know where your race starts. My race will be different from anyone else's race because my calling is different from anybody else's calling. So, if you don't know what your race, what your race is, what your calling is, you need to inquire of the Lord. And the Bible tells us that the Lord answers you when you inquire of him. He will tell you what he wants you to be doing. In, Samuel, in 1 Samuel 30, verse 8, David inquired of the Lord. It was during the time of war, and when he came back, uh, the children of Israel had been captured, the wives and all their possessions. So David inquired of the Lord if he should follow the enemy. It says in verse 8, And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? And the Lord answered, Pursue them. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. So when David went out, he went out with the knowledge that 
the, the army that is going after is already got victory over because God has already given him the, the inside info. So when he went there, he didn't go in darkness. He went there with a direction that came from God because he had inquired of the Lord. So in everything that we do, we also need to inquire of the Lord. If you don't know what your calling is, inquire of the Lord. How do you inquire of the Lord? By spending time in his presence, by reading his Bible, by exploring what your passions are. Not just following what you think your passion, but what you feel at peace when you're doing. God will give you that peace to know where he wants you to go. It says, in his mind, a man plans his ways, but God directs his steps. So God will direct your steps. God will give you the insight and say, this is the way, walk in it. You, you are never alone. And when we pray, we say, let your will be done. But how is that will done? It is done by obe or being obedient to what you have been called to do. If you don't know what you're called to do, then you're not going to obey because you don't know what you, are, you really are supposed to be doing. And it is not about giving or giving offerings that makes the Lord happy. The Lord does not give, delight in burnt offerings, but rather he delights in an obedient heart. It says, does the Lord de delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. So, if we are being obedient, if we are not being obedient, we are running aimlessly. We are running like headless chickens. But if we obey, then we will see the vision. We will see what God has called us. And when we see what God is calling us to, then that means we know who God, who God is or who Jesus is in our lives. The Bible tells us that not everyone that said unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, or in thy name have we not cast out devils, or in thy name made many wonderful works? And I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that, that worked iniquity. So, whatever we do in our lives, we need to examine our lives. Because we can perform the miracles, we can do all these works. But if we're not doing the will of God, then on that day, it will be war to us because he will say, I never knew you, you wicked servant. But let's rather seek after the kingdom of God. Tells us in Matthew that we should seek after the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto us. So 
by going back to the basics and spending time in the presence of God and allowing his will to be done over our will, then this allows us to keep in step with the Spirit. Paul tells us in Galatians, so as we pray, let us get back to the basics and inquire of the Lord. Let's find out what he would have us do. Let us allow his spirit to be the one that leads us. He will allow, when we allow the spirit to be at work in us, then his will will be done in us. He will lead us and he will teach us how to pray. It tells us in Romans, in Romans 8, that when we do not know how to pray, the Spirit intercedes on our behalf. So if we allow the Spirit to come into our lives and take place in our lives, then we will begin to pray persistent prayers. We will begin to pray without ceasing and we will begin to see growth both in our spiritual life and in our prayer life. I know that this journey is not easy. But despite the challenges, the Bible tells us that we are not alone. God is with us. And that God that is with us is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never change. What he promised the children of Israel when they were in the desert, he still promises us today. And if we put our trust in him and we look into him, we know that we will be saved. He says he will never leave us nor forsake us. And he has commanded us to be strong and courageous. So if any of you are experiencing any challenges in your race today, I think today is the perfect opportunity to turn back to God and to bring it all to him. He is always willing to receive you. When he went on the cross, he opened his arm. As he hung on the cross, his arms were opened to say, come to me, my child. So he is willing to receive you, no matter how much you might think you have sinned. But his forgiveness stands. But when we come to him and we repent our sins, we need not to go back to our sin because when we go back to our sin it's like nailing him on the cross over and over again so what we need to do is to come to him and surrender all our all to him he says come to me all of you who are heavily burdened and I will give you rest he says my burden is easy and my yoke is lighter so why not come to him today? Why not come and receive that yoke that is lighter? Maybe you might be sitting there and you've never had an opportunity of accepting Jesus Christ as Lord. I would like to invite you tonight to accept Jesus Christ as, as Lord and let him be the king of your life. Let him be your savior. 
This is a, a, a perfect opportunity for you to choose life. He says in Matthew 10, 28, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And the very hairs on your head are numbered. So don't be afraid you are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will also disown before my Father in heaven. So I'd like to urge you to make that declaration, to make the Lord, to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. To invite him into your life. Maybe you have invited him before and your walk is is begun to drift to a different direction. I'd like to invite you to take this opportunity and invite him again. Renew your vows with Jesus Christ. He's always willing to accept you. He's willing to accept you as you are. So if any of you need prayer and any of the things that I've spoken about, you can uh, come forward and we'll pray with you or you can see me after the service. Let us remember that when we spend time in prayer, spend time reading our Bible, we are bringing ourselves closer to God. And God will begin to reveal things that we did not know. We are, we are called friends of God. We are no longer slaves, but we have been called his friends. And I will tell my best friend my secrets. So being friends of God, that means God can tell us his secrets if we allow him to. We will have inside information before things even happen. We will know about them because we are in communion with God. We are walking with him. So make sure that you take time reading your Bible, spending time getting to know God deeper and deeper. The more you spend time with him, the deeper your relationship becomes with him. And the easier things will be. Because you will know when temptation comes, you will know what to throw at the enemy. I was reading an, uh, an article earlier today. It says, where are you weak? Where, what part of your life are your weaknesses. When you know what your weaknesses are, then you will know how to come against the enemy. This person said, when Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So 
His first weakness was an empty stomach. And the first thing that the devil came to him with was turn the rocks into bread because he knew he was hungry. So what, where are you weak? When you know your weakness, when the enemy comes with you, you know the truth to stand against him with. So when you get to know what your weaknesses are, then you are able to resist the devil because you know what scripture to refer him to. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you.